I'm wrecked. Absolutely wrecked. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Isn't that... Well, from that, the start, I'm sorry, I'm going to ramble a bit because I need to get myself together. From the start of that video, it's just the presence of God. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, there is no mountain I can't face. Because he lives, because he lives, I am free. Because he lives, there is no bondage. Because he lives, I am healed. Because he lives, I get a heaven. Because he lives, because he lives. Paul Paul talks about it's not the cross which is the point of our salvation it's the resurrection the resurrection If, if Jesus died on the cross and he didn't rise again our faith would be in vain but because he lives because he's lived his resurrection power is in me because he lives I know I can live because he lives I know that heaven is open to me Oh, wow, Jesus is so good. He is so good. So good. Spirit, break out. Break out in this place. Break out in our lives. Break out in this nation. Break out in our government. Break out. We give you permission, God, to come in like a flood, to destroy whatever is not of you, to give it a good old shaking, to remove religion, to remove tradition, to remove things that we've put even our our hearts on before. Lord, it's all about you. We're coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. I know that when their music fades, that's... For me, that song is so ironic because you sing a song about songs not being worship. Irony, I love, I love the irony in the song. This is supposed to be, supposed to be, this is. This is a decade of the voice. I believe it. I believe it. I believe this is a time when the church needs to find its voice, not just in prayer, but speaking out into situations that we've, we've stayed silent on. Like Jared was talking last week, and Abortion, we need to be speaking about that. We need to be speaking where wherever there is injustice, wherever there's oppression, wherever people are dying, wherever there is darkness on this earth, we need to be speaking out. We do. We do. And sometimes, sometimes when you, when you have a change in, in, in calling or a change in posture or you go up a level, sometimes you have to take a few steps back so you can go forward better. Let, 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 me, let me illustrate that. I'm not talking about anything which I'm going to talk about, but anyway. Let, let me illustrate what I mean. When I, I used to play the violin, I, I used to, believe it or not, my fingers got too thick and I, and I couldn't actually get the notes right because I really should have gone to viola, but my fingers, anyway. I remember when I think it was I got to grade six and, my, and I, I got grade six, I passed it and then my teacher said, right, you're going to have to learn how to play the violin all over again. I'm like, what? So, you know, grade six, I've just got my grade six. I've got a great, great mark in it. And I went back to just playing open strings with my bow, having to put my hand in a slightly different position, which hurt. It caused me pain. And, and you, know, it, you know, if I tried to play a piece in the way that my teacher was holding me to, to hold my violin and, and bow the way he was telling me to, I couldn't play as fast. I couldn't play as well. The sound, the sound of a piece I would play wasn't as good. 
But he was training me to play better. He was retraining my fingers. He was rechanging my posture. He was rechanging me so that when I actually learned a better way to stand, a better way to hold my violin and play, it would sound better. It was, I had got so far in the technique that I was using, I need to take back a few steps, learn a new technique so I could go further. I believe God is doing that right now with our voices. We've got so used to singing songs as our prayers. I find songs, they are incredible. I, I, it's, it's my best form of, of worship. I love singing songs. And there's something really powerful when our words line up with music, and especially as we sing together. But I think God is saying this, we need to learn to pray. We don't need to learn to speak. We've got lazy. We've just ended up singing songs rather than praying prayers. And I think he is upgrading us. He's learning, he's teaching us how to use our voice once again for those who can hear, who can hear what the Spirit is saying. He is changing and transforming. He's using this situation. I'm not saying he brought it, but he's using this situation so that we can, in some way, mature into people who can actually use our voice. I think there's another, another way that he's training us. We've got so used to listening to worship leaders lead us in worship rather than listening to the Spirit himself. We've got so used to listening to preachers give amazing messages, very well constructed with amazing illustrations, telling us what we need to hear from God. Do you know what my Bible says? My Bible says that in the last days they will not need teachers because they will hear the Holy Spirit themselves. They'll know what to do. I'm not saying that we get rid of preachers and teachers. I'm saying this. When we replace hearing the voice of God with a preacher or a teacher, we're missing the fullness of what God has got for us. He's teaching us to pray. He's teaching us to use our voice. And he's teaching us to listen. I believe we are going into a new era. I believe this is a new era of the church. For what worked before will not work after. We can try and stick on to traditions that we've had. But we need to move forward into what God is creating us to be. Let me, let me go to Romans 8. Let's get some Bible in here, eh? Make sure I'm not going too far off. Favorite passage of mine in Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We are not slaves. We need to rebuke the, the spirit of slavery that comes upon us, that tells us we cannot do this, that you cannot say that, that you cannot, you cannot do certain things. God has set us free. The cross, the blood has set us free. Let me carry on. Let me carry on. Sorry, I'm get, I was meant to just read it. Verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We are children of God, children of the Most High God. We belong to the King of Kings. We belong to the one who created the earth. Where our Earth is no longer our, our kingdom. It is heaven. We are born of a heavenly kingdom. We belong to a different realm. Why am I saying this? Because when we get to understand what it really means to be a child of God, 
The church will move into a different phase. The church will stand up in authority. And rather than cowering behind fear and behind boundaries, we'll stand up in knowing that we are a son of God. Knowing that we are a child of God. Knowing that we have his power and his inheritance. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Verse 19, for the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The earth is waiting for us, folks. It's waiting for us to realize who we are. It's waiting to realize for us, for us to realize the power that we have, the authority that we have, the calling that we have. That we can walk right into the, to the throne room of heaven and that we have the full inheritance of heaven to use on earth. That is who we are. That is what God is growing us up into be, the sons of God. But can I be honest with you? I don't quite believe it. Because if I believed it, my life would be radically different. Radically different. I know I say I believe it, I know I confess it, I know, I, I know it's there and I go, yes, it's true. But I know through the outworking of my actions and the outworking of my behavior that I don't have that deep enough in my heart to realize I am a child of God. Why? Because it depends what I look at. It depends what I listen to. It depends what I believe. Let, let me tell you a story. Let me read it so I get it better. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated on the 4th of April, 1968. Only one day after he delivered his infamous I've Been to the Mountaintop Address, after hearing news of the shooting, Jane Elliott, a primary school teacher in a small all-white town in Iowa, decided to tackle the problem of racism with her student the very next day and devised an experiment which she played out in her classroom. She divided her all-white children into two groups based on eye color, and then informed the blue-eyed children that they were much more intelligent and far better behaved than their brown-eyed classmates, and therefore superior to them. The brown-eyed children, on the other hand, were told they were less clever, more poorly behaved, and even given identifying collars to wear. As the day went on, the children with brown eyes became more timid and the quality of their work dropped significantly. The blue-eyed children, however, grew in self-confidence and were able to complete academic tasks that had previously been beyond their ability. The following school day, Jane reversed the experiment, apologizing, she explained, that she got the previous information wrong. It was actually the brown-eyed students who were superior to the blue-eyed ones. Again, the behavior of the children changed drastically, reflecting how they saw themselves in the light of this scientific truth. The blue-eyed children became more subservient and produced worse academic results, whilst those with brown eyes saw their schoolwork improve. Social dynamics also came into play, with those children with similar eye colors sticking together and the intelligent groups dominating the other. Now, I, I got to see Jane Elliott when she came to Hull. She, she gave a lecture of, and, and talked about things like this in, in, in um, it's not the Guild Hall, but anyway, over there somewhere, City Hall. 
I took, I took attention because I, I, I was in education at the time. And what really grasped me was this. How a child sees themselves changes their behavior. Tell a child they are useless. Tell a child they are rubbish. Keep telling it. Guess what? They'll end up being useless. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But tell a child that they are beautiful. Tell them that they, they are a child of God. You see, how you see yourself defines destiny. I have come to the conclusion that it's not how God sees me that changes my destiny, it's how I see me. That sounds dodgy, doesn't it? But there are promises and about promises that are for me and are for you in the Bible. There are promises about who you are in Christ. It's not them being written in the Bible that affects your life. It's when you believe them. It's when you see them. It's when they are imprinted on your heart that your behavior changes. Let me put it a different way. It's when I believe what God says about me, that's when my, my behavior changes. It's very important that we have the right opinion of ourselves, that we see ourselves as God sees us, as children of God. So how does God see us? Well, let's go back to the very beginning. Genesis 1, verse 26. God said this, Let us make mankind in our image and according to our likeness. That blows me away. God said, I'm going to create humankind to look like me and to be like me. To act like me. In the likeness of God, I am creating the human race. It's as though he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to be a mirror of what God looks like. Not only that, he said, it's like he's saying, do you want to know how I love? Look at Eve. Do you know how I walk? Look at Adam. Humankind, mankind was supposed to be on this earth to, to be like a spiritual mirror showing what God is like. Now we know that there was the, there was the fall and, and the serpent came in and, and, and sin came into the world. But let's remember what Jesus did, who is the second Adam. He came to restore that which was lost in the garden. He came to restore our identity, not just so that we would look like him, but we would also act like him. That is part of what happened on the cross. Because he lives, I can act like him. Let me give you a scripture in case you're, 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 you're a bit concerned I've gone off on one. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we all become mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of Lord Jesus. We have been transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, when you're born again, you're born into a heavenly kingdom. I may have come from the dirt. I, in fact, was born of the dirt. But Jesus came, and I have been born again, and I no longer am born of the dirt. I am now born of a heavenly reality. I have my Father's eyes. I have my Father's eyes. Put it this way. 
God took me. He found me. He, just like in, in, in Eden, just in Genesis, he reached into the dirt. He picked me out of the dirt. And he is transforming me into his very image. And then he blows his Holy Spirit into me, giving me his life, giving me his power, giving me his holiness, so that I'm created into a masterpiece to do good. I am created to look just like him and be just like him, which is what that 2 Corinthians verse says. I'm being transformed as I look at Jesus into his very image. We say it. You're the only Bible that many people will ever read. You're also the the Jesus that many people will ever see. It's there. I wouldn't say it unless it was was because as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's... That's heresy, isn't it? That that sounds too bad. That sounds too good. Anyway, I am God's masterpiece. I am royalty. I may have come from the gutter, but I don't belong in the gutter. You see, the thing is, when you tell someone they belong in the gutter, guess what? That's what they think they are, and that's what they end up playing. But when you tell someone they are royalty, that they are in the the most royal family there is, the, the family of the children of God, guess what? Their head starts to rise up. They start to walk a different way. Their posture changes. The way they look at dirt in the gutter and go, I'm not going to play with that. I'll get my clothes dirty. I'm not going to play with that. That isn't part of me. That's not who I am anymore. I am born of a heavenly reality. The question is, Are we going to look to Jesus and being transformed in his image or are we going to look to the world and be transformed into the world's image? Have you ever been to like a fairground or, and, and you go into like the Hall of Mirrors and there's like all these funny, crazy mirrors and you go in one and suddenly your, your, your belly is really sticking out and you go to another one and you're really short and then you go to another one and you're really tall and you go to another one and go, oh, it's a, it's a proper one. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. My diet's working pretty well. And then you go to the next one and realize that no, that one is not. It's, I want that one to be my mirror. That's, that's the mirror I want, I want one in my bedroom. There are many different mirrors that you can look in. You can look to what God says about you. That's one mirror. You can look to what the devil says about you. That's another mirror. You can look to what you think about you. That's a different mirror. You can look to what the media says, and that's another mirror. You can look to what your friend says, and that's a mirror. You are reflected in your friends. You are reflected in all these different people around you. Which mirror are you going to look in to know who you are? Isn't it weird or strange how people normally define you by your mistakes? Why would you look in that mirror? Have you noticed that when you get a peer group of of, of people and uh, one of them tries to better themselves, tries to either get to university when none of them have them or or tries to actually wash when the rest don't or or something like that. And what, what, what 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 does the peer group normally do? Who do you think you are? Miss Smarty Pants, who do you think you are? Who made you high and mighty? Well, I can tell you, I know who made me. I'm created by my God. I am his masterpiece. If you don't like me, take it up with my creator, not me. I know who I am. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Which mirror are you going to look at? Now, of course, I sometimes see the mirror of my bills. Open up a bill and go, 
that's a big one. How do we spend so much gas? I don't know. How can I pay that one? Am I going to look at my bill and have that define my mood? Have I forgotten that Jesus is my provider? It's very easy to know, isn't it? I know we end up in like a prayer meeting or a meeting like this and we go out and we've, we've been hearing about how good God is and how we are children of God and he's saved us and he's forgiven us and he's given us power to, to heal the sick. And then two hours later, something happens and suddenly we're worrying about how to pay a gas bill. What happened to I'm more than a conqueror? I looked at something and it changed my opinion about who I am. Or we look at, you know, we, we go out of service like this, we're full of peace. I'm in love with God, it's great. And then we turn on the news and suddenly what the news does puts fear into us and sends us into a little turmoil. Which reality are you going to look at for your identity? What God says? What the news says? What people says? James says this, 1 verse 8. Double mind, a double mind person is unstable in all the ways. Do you know what happens when you know, you're up one minute, down the next? I'm a conqueror. No, I'm not the next. You're being double minded. I do it, you know, a lot of Monday mornings. Today, I'm going to be the fittest, you know, healthiest. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run in the morning, I'm going to run in the evening, and I'm just going to have salad for lunch. Two hours later, I'm sat at McDonald's eating a burger. What happened? Double mindedness. Okay, so the Bible talks about double-mindedness. How do you change that? Well, let, let me read it from the Passion. From the ambivalent person, believes one minute and doubts the next. That's me, I've got to be honest. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas, driven and tossed by the winds. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. You, when you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. So what do you do about it? Go to verse 23. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover who they are and then forgets what they look like. But those who set their gaze deeply in the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. I look at the mirror of the word, but then I forget it. But then I look at the mirror of the word, and it reminds me I'm more than a conqueror. I'm holy and blameless in Christ. I'm a child of God. I have God living in me. If he that is greater lives in me than he that is in the world, I look at that. And then I look at something else. How do you keep it? Well, that, that's a good question. Tell me if you get it. But anyway... I, I, I want to talk about the theologian Michael Jackson because he's got a lot to say in this. Honestly, he says this. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. Now, I know he wasn't talking about this, but anyway. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. We need to remember what God has said. So how do you do it? How do you keep looking in the mirror? Well, the Bible tells you this. Meditate on his word morning and night. 
Always have the word going on. But do you know what? That's, that's really hard in a multimedia. You know, I want to read, can I be honest? Sometimes I don't want to read a book because I can watch TV. It's a lot easier. I can watch, I can listen to audio. Well, guess what? Guess what I found is the most best way to, to actually keep the word of God on my mind? I put on worship music. I put on Christian music. That is so powerful. In the hardest times I've had, all I've done is, is put my worship music on them and walk along the, the riverbank, walking the dog or whatever else. What am I doing? I'm putting my, my focus on the word of God. I'm looking to who Jesus is and allowing him to reflect into who I am. On really bad days, you know what happens on really bad days when I've had a really bad day and I can't even get out of bed? My wife, Lacey, she's not here tonight, so it's all right. She will go downstairs and she'll end up putting worship music on in the kitchen. And I'm there lying on my bed going, what are you doing putting worship music on the bed? Don't you know, I'm, I'm the one who's supposed to be the spiritual one. I'm, I'm the one who's a church leader. What are you doing putting... Anyway, me grumbling along to it as I'm not even pulling myself out of bed. But as that music just starts to come through the floorboards, it starts to soften my soul. It starts to soften my spirit. What's happening? I'm starting to look in the mirror of the word. I'm starting to look at the face of Jesus. I'm starting to remember who I am. And as that music starts to come through the floorboards, it changes me. I'm ready to pick up my Bible. Whereas, can I be honest, 10 minutes before, I might have thrown it out of a window. I'm just being honest with you. It is amazing what listening to the word of God, listening to what God says about you, remembering prophecies, reminding yourself of what he's done in your life. So I'm going to do some of those, I'm going to read some scriptures over you right now of who you are because I want you to go out of here tonight knowing who you are. I want us to look in the mirror of the word so you know who you are. Ephesians 4 verse 24 says this, put on the new self, see yourself in the new way. You are created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 1 verse 4, God sees you as holy and blameless. That's how God sees you. You know, I don't often think that I'm not holy and blameless, but do you know what? God knows better than me. If he says I'm holy and blameless, then maybe I'm holy and blameless. Ephesians 2, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You have been made to do good. Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Don't hide, God doesn't want to hide you, he wants to show you off. Philippians 2, verse 15, you will shine among them like stars in the sky. That's who you are. 1 Thessalonians 5, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. You belong to the light. Romans 8, 37, now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are a victor here this morning, this evening even. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a child of God made in his image. Therefore, Colossians 3, if you have been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. My message to you tonight is this. No matter what you're facing, 
No matter what you're hearing, no matter what people say about you, no matter what, what is in the media, take a look at yourself in the mirror of the word. Realize that that is who you are, is who you are. And who are you? You are God's child made in his image. Let, let me write another song to you. We have a good, good father. And what are we? We are, we are loved by him. It's who we are. It's who we are. It's who we are. Tonight, you are loved by a heavenly father. It's who you are. It's your identity. No matter what you will face this week, no matter what you will face tonight, you are loved and cherished by God. No matter what mountain you face, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world.